listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. You asked for it. How do I parent? How do I be the parent that God wants me to be? But not only the parent God wants me to be, the parent that my children need me to be. And what I realized when I sat down to plan this and prepare this, this is a massive subject. To talk about parenting in one sitting is such a daunting task. We're going to try our best. But realistically speaking, we're only going to be able to lay a foundation for you that you're going to be responsible to build on each week as you come back, each day as you read God's Word and pray and seek God. I came across this statement and I thought it was pretty powerful and I wanted to begin with this. In order to succeed in being a parent, you must take God with one hand and have your children take the other hand. Picture that. In order to succeed, I've got to grab a hold of God. And then in grabbing a hold of God, I've got to also grab a hold of my children. We could say it like this way. God, I need you to be part of my team. But here's my thought. I need to be part of God's team. And I need to grab a hold of God with everything that I have, but also grab a hold of my children to lead them and to give them everything of God that they need in their lives. So today I want to break this message down into three key areas, three key truths that I believe that will help you be the parent that God wants you to be. You may say, well, I'm not a parent. You probably will be one day. But if you're not a parent, you know someone who is a parent. And you can help them and give them tools. You can say, man, you need to go on our podcast. You need to listen to what our pastor said. Because there is information there that will change your life. So here's point number one. Are you ready? Say with me, priorities. Priorities, priorities. Listen, it first has to be a you thing before it can become a we thing. It has to start with you as the parent. It has to start with you as the adult. Parents, you need to start by having proper priorities in your life. You need to have the proper boundaries in your life. Why? Because God wants to parent your life. And God wants to lead your life, but it's first got to be in you. Hold on a second. I thought you were going to tell me how to parent my kids. I am. This is the position from where you parent. It has to first be you having the proper priorities and the proper boundaries of your life. Look at this story, and I love it. From Matthew 22, verse 35 and 40, it's an encounter with Jesus. When someone came to Jesus, they pushed through the crowd. Everyone else had their opinion, their view. They're like, man, let me just go to Jesus. And the way they came, the Bible says, wasn't right. But it doesn't matter how we come. As long as we come, he's going to make us all right. Amen. And look what it says. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, the law is the moral code that they were to live by. So what this man is really asking is, God, the commandments you've given us to live by, the requirements that you've asked of us, what is the greatest? What's my number one priority? What do I need to follow above everything else? And Jesus says to him, I'm glad you asked. Jesus says in verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law. On these two things, life is discovered, life is lived, life is found. You need to listen to these two truths. The first priority, God says, has to be me. God says, I must be the priority. Then what? Then you can love other people. You know how we can love other people more successfully is when we know the love of God. Because many of us maybe didn't have exemplified to us true love. We didn't come up in a relationship that was true love shown and displayed. But guess what? God is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. And when that's who he is, he will show that to us. So what? We then can take the love of him and we can display it and be that to other people in our lives. I know it sounds so obvious. And you may say, that's it? Yes, it needs to be applied. God must be the priority of our life. We need to put the big rocks in our lives first before the small, insignificant things begin to fill up and to take the space. But here's one thing I've realized, that God in His rightful position in your life will rightly position every other area of your life. Because when God is your priority, listen, no other areas of your life will ever suffer. No other areas. It will never be at the expense of other responsibilities that God has put. Our greatest struggle in life is not success. Our greatest struggle in life is finding the balance of life in order to be successful, to be the right parents, to do the right things. So I want to show you something today. I want to show you your life today. If I can use an illustration today, and I hope you can see it. If not, maybe move so you can see it. What I want to show you today is this here. Oh, that's a bad line right there. Come on, that's going to drive some of you crazy, so I need to do that right. It's not much better right there. What we see here is the pie chart of our life. So when we look at our life, we've got different areas. We'll put God at the top because that's where he belongs. Then we'll put here our spouse. Then we'll put our kids. Then we will put our work. Then we will put our families friends, okay, and then we'll put here our hobbies. So when we look at our life, our life is divided up into different priorities or things that we are responsible for in our life. What you've got to realize this, as much as you think you're a star and as much as you think you're superhuman, there is no way that you can add more to your life. 
without having to do one of three things. Here's the three R's I want to give you. Are you ready? You're going to have to either reduce, replace, or remove. So if you want to change the priority of your life, what can happen is this. You can't add more time to the time you already have. You have 24 hours a day. I'm sorry. You can't add a 25th hour. You can't add more. So you think, oh, I can take on more and I can do more and it makes me a bigger person. No, you're the same shape and the same size of person. All it means is something has to be reduced in your life. Something has to either be replaced in your life or something has to be removed from your life. Because you can't add more without something else suffering in its place. Now, I understand that we have seasons in our life. So maybe seasons in our life may mean that we may have to work a little bit more. We're on a turnaround. We're going to have to work a little bit more. Maybe we've just had a new child, so it takes up more of our time. I realize some of these lines will move during seasons of our life. But what we have to be very careful of in seasons that the change doesn't become the new norm. That we're unwilling to change again when a new season that comes into our life. You see, there's other seasons of our life too. If we're not married, we don't need time for a spouse and a kid. There's different seasons in our life. When we are single, guess what? We can even get away with being a little bit selfish. Because we can create me time. I'm just going to make time for me. I'm going to just have me time. We can get away with it. But when we're married and we've got kids, we cannot get away with being selfish. And you may say, well, yes, I can. No, you won't. You won't get away with it because what's going to happen is something's going to be what? Reduced, replaced, or removed in your life to make room for your selfishness. You see, what I've learned through life and I learn by both what I hear and also by what I see, by observing things. And here's what I've learned in life. The biggest reason there are problems in the home is because people are coming into a home that is broken. I hope you're taking notes today because you need this. I said, I hope you're taking notes today because you need this. What do I mean by a broken home? Here's what I mean by a broken home. I mean a place where the priorities of life are out of whack in your home. You see, I believe there's a godly order that we see from God's word, and you can dispute that all you want, but I'm going to give it to you today because I believe if it's not right from the top, anything else that flows from it is not going to be right. So here's the godly order that God has for our life. Number one is what? God has to be number one in our life. The second place in our life is held by our spouse. Let me just talk about spouses just for a few minutes, can I? It's not equal ownership in the home. The husband has to be the head of the home. People get quiet when they hear that because we're not talking about a dictator ruling over. There can be a 51% majority in a house that can rule. The husband needs to be the priest and the head of his home. And some of you ladies may sit here and say, but what if he's not? My answer, tongue in cheek to you, is maybe this. Maybe you need to let him. Because a lot of time men are not what they need to be in the house is because the wife, the woman, will not allow them to function and unction in that role. Say me, ouch, amen, say something in the house. 
You need to be married for life and you need to be here and learn the tools. So it's God first, it's our spouse second, then it's our kids, it's then our children. After our children, then it's our family. Come on, our parents, our in-laws, other people, they're not the priority. Our spouse and kids is above that. Then after that is our work, then after that is our play. Can we just say it that way? And you may say, well, hold on a second, where does... God, where does church come in? Church is involved in all of this. Because church is where I work on my relationship with God, can have a greater relationship with my wife, and I can have a greater relationship with my kids. Church is involved in all those areas. And when we get our lives into a proper priority, where they're in the proper order of life, I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Our lives will never look the same again. Because problems, look at this statement, problems will always arrive in an environment of wrong priorities. And I'm positive of that. People fall out of love in a marriage where they worshipped the ground they walked on, but they fall out of love. Why? Because the priorities get out of whack. Now they have more time with everything else and don't give the same time and energies. So people fall out of love. Kids get neglected. There's financial screw-ups. Why? Because an environment of wrong priorities. Listen, anything you bring into chaos, it's just going to create more chaos going to be more division. There's going to be more disunity. Well, if only this could change, then we'd be... No, you've got to get God back in His rightful place, get everything that flows under it in its rightful place. Then you can start talking about the blessings and the fullness of God in your life. Hold on, I thought you were telling us how to parent. Yes, I am. Because we have to first begin with where we parent from. Look at this statement. We need to adjust and live the life that you need to be living, not what you want to be living. You've got to live the life you need, not the life that you want. If only you had a bigger car, nicer house, this, this, this. I want, 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 want. You need to start living the life that you need to be living. We need to prioritize our lives or the world would do it for us. You, you know, we can talk about decisions and we can say about people, well, they didn't make a good decision. Listen, whether you make a decision or not, decisions are still being made for you. So whether you choose to prioritize your life or not, priorities are going to take over and things are going to change in your life because either you're going to do it or the world or others are going to do it for you. And you've got to fight to keep it that way. Because when you prioritize your life, everything outside of your marriage, everything outside of your family wants to fight against that. For example, Pete's going to call me up and say, hey, Phil, the latest movie's out. You want to come? Let's go and have a dinner and a movie. That's great. But I can't do that five nights a week. How many times have you had a friend call you up and say, hey, there's a new movie out, but you don't need to come. You need to stay with your wife and kids. You need to have a good night at home. No, it's like, come on, girls, night out. The boss doesn't come to you and say, you know what, I I think I really want to bless your family, take the rest of the week off. No, the boss is saying, I need you to work extra hours. Can you work the weekend? We've got more time. Now, there's nothing wrong with work. Don't get me wrong. And then there's nothing wrong with play. You need both, but in the right perspective. 
in the right priority of your life. But what I'm saying is this. Those things are stealing away time from you that you don't have except to reduce, replace or remove something else. And he's, here's the things that can be replaced and reduced. is the playtime because your family and God and your work cannot be changed. Because they're non-negotiable areas and things in your life. So I believe we've got to be intentional. Say with me, intentional. We've got to be intentional because it's not just going to happen. Oh, my life, I just woke up and it just fell back into perfect order. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, I've just given my life to Christ and I've gone to church and I'll do nothing else and God's going to solve all my problems. God gives you the tools every week to solve your problems, but he requires you to do it because if he doesn't do it, the problem's still in the home because you're still the problem. Until there's a solution to the problem, come on, own up the problem. Until there's a solution, there's still going to be a problem. But can I remind you of God's promise when we prioritize our life? Here's God's promise. Galatians 6 verse 9. Never grow weary while doing good. Never grow weary while doing good. Have we got that? Galatians 6, 9. Never grow weary in doing good. For what? In due time, you're going to reap if what? You don't lose heart. If you don't give up and don't quit, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Don't grow weary in doing good. What's right? Putting things in the proper order. Because you're going to reap a harvest from that. Here's the second point. Are you ready? Godly parents, godly children. Godly parents, godly children. Here's God speaking to Abraham and he says to him these words. Genesis 18 and 19 from the New Living Translation. God says, I have singled you out. That you will direct your sons and their family in the way of the Lord by doing. Please catch this. He says, by doing what? By doing what is right and just. Then what? God says, I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. It's pretty interesting that God has singled him out, knowing that he will lead his children and his family before Abraham has even had a child. What? Yes. He doesn't even have children at that time. And you know why I believe God is singling us out before we even should have children? For this reason, if we wait for when the children come to get our life in the proper order, by then we're maybe too late. It starts right now. It starts making the change today with you. Can God trust you? Can God trust you to do right? Not with just yourself, but can God trust you to direct your family in the right way by the life that you live? I remember beside my dad's bed for many years, he used to have this plaque hanging on a wall. And I loved this little saying. And I've quoted this, I believe, a few times over the years. But it was called, A Little Fellow Follows Me. And just a little part of it, it says these words, A careful man I want to be, for a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear that he will go the same self way. I cannot once escape his eyes, whatever he sees in me. He tries. 
Do you get the picture? It goes on and on. I hope you do get the picture. Because here's the approach the world has adopted. This is what the world has sold to us. And it doesn't work. It's broke and messed up. But the world tells us, do this. Do what I say, not what I do. It's not true. Godly parents. Godly children. And that's how we've got to live. Back to that scripture, Genesis 18, 19, New Living Translation. You see, because when we realize that we're serious about raising godly children, then guess what? God puts the, the focus where it belongs. God says, I will trust you to do what is just and to do what is right. If you want to see important truths, Sail right over your kids' heads. Try teaching them something that you're not personally committed to. Oh, my kids have just been difficult. No, they're just watching you. They're just following you. Now, please understand, I do know that there are exceptions to every rule. And and, and you can be a godly parent and your children can turn up not so godly. I know there's exceptions to every rule, but as children of God, God doesn't ask us to live by exception. He asks us to live according to His Word, which is the rule and the standard of life. So you need to prioritize your life, no matter what's happening around. It may mess up in this area or whatever, but you're going to reap a harvest if you keep on going. The enemy wants you to give up. But listen to me. If it's not important to you, if it's not a priority to you, it's not going to be important to your children. And vice versa, if it's important to you, bam going to be important to them. I love this quote by T.D. Jakes. He says these words, it's not what you leave to your children. It's what you leave in your children. Well, if I could just leave my kids an inheritance, if I could just leave them some money, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but uses his soul and his kids and his family in the process? It's not what I leave for my children. It's what I give in my children. What I deposit inside of them. Deuteronomy 2 or 6.2 New Living Translation says, And you and your children and your grandchildren. Notice God's a three-generational God. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. And He's the God of Jacob. His three generations here. God says, and you, your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And if you obey, where does it start? Not with your kids. It starts with you. If you set the standard, if you set the pace, all his decrees and commandments, if you obey them, God says, you're going to enjoy a long life, a life of peace and joy as you watch your kids growing up. And you see them get married and have kids. You can enjoy life together. There's blessing and fulfillment come as long as what? You obey. I obey. I set the course for my home. Come on, as a parent, I need to set the course for my home. I need to have the proper priorities because anything else needs to be, will have to be reduced, replaced or removed. And then I've got to set the example for my family and my life. You see, when you demonstrate your love for Christ, I believe God will demonstrate his love before your children. And God will attract them over anything else in this earth. But pastor, it's all well and good. I understand what you're saying and I'm amening it, but I'm too late. I want you to hear me today. It's never too late to start. 
And today's a good place to begin. Start today. Well, but hold on a sec. My kids are all old and grown and they're not serving God. It doesn't matter. Change can still take place in them through a change in you. As you change, you can change still their lives. You see, here's what I believe is my greatest responsibility and priority. Here's my greatest mission why I'm here on this earth. It's not to pastor a great church. It's not to bring other people to Christ. My greatest mission, my greatest priority on this earth is to make sure I raise my children in God. In God. Did you notice I didn't say in church? Oh, I believe in church. They need to be in church. But the problem is many people have raised their kids in church, but not in God. Because many people are one way in church and another way out of church. So when kids leave church, they see the hypocrisy of the life. So instead of blaming their parents for that, they blame God for that. So instead of walking towards God and loving God, they hate God and don't want to be a part of God. Why? Because we raised them in church instead of in God. We've got to raise them in God. What do I mean by that? What are your parents seeing modeled in you during times of adversity? What happens to you when there's a struggle? What happens to you when there's pain, there's disappointment, there's a disagreement, things aren't going well? What do you do? What's your response? Because your kids are watching you to see what you are modeling to them. Do they see you reading the word of God? Come on, do they see you doing that? Judah came through this morning. He's crying. Mom, mom, mom. I said, Judah, your mom's still in bed. He says, where are you, daddy? He said, I'm over here. I'm over here. Come over here. And it, before he even came close to me, he says, daddy, are you reading your Bible? He knows. You need to model that to your children. Do they see you praying? Do they see you worshiping in church? Do they see you serving in the house? Do they see you being in church? Period. Come on, it's important. Why? Because monkeys see. And here's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid a Judges 2 verse 10 moment. Judges 2 verse 10 says, When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation rose after them that did not know the Lord. I don't want my children to grow up not knowing God. We can't allow this next generation to be lost. So let me sum up point two like this. Are you ready? In order to raise godly children, you must teach them God's principles and practice them for yourself. Come on. If you're going to raise godly children, you've got to teach them godly principles and you've got to practice it for yourself. Can I simplify it a little bit more? You've got to lead by example. Be the example that your kids need to follow. Part number three. Anyone getting anything from this today? I believe it's really going to help you. Here's the practical parenting part. Here's where we put it into effect. Here's what where we give our children what they need, not what they want. God's not called you to be their friend. God has called you first to be their parent. And if you first parent them, then second, you're going to be their friend. But if you try to be their friend today, one day they're going to unfriend you. Because they're not going to have a respect for you and a love for you. Your responsibility right now is to learn how to say no. To set some standards and some rules in the house that we're going to talk about. Because you ain't their friend. doesn't mean that you want to be Hitler to them. 
But you've got to make sure that you're ruling the house and that they're not in control. And trust me, with six kids, Kelly and I have gone through a lot, but we are still learning because when you think you've kind of mastered it, you have another kid and you have to redo it all over again because every kid is different and how you have to deal with them and treat them and respond to them. The principles stay the same, but yet the method of practice has to change. And really, I could have labeled this section as this. Are you ready? What your child deserves. I want to give you six things that I believe your child deserves from you today. Six points. Are you still with me? Lots of information. Take notes. Are you ready? Point number one, they deserve your time. Time, 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 time. There is no substitute to spending quality time with your children. A lot of parents try to buy their kids. And that will only suffice for a short time. And they may not run to you and say, oh, but I don't want my PlayStation. I don't want my nice cell phone. I don't want this nice car. I don't want all this. They're not going to maybe run to you and say, I would rather have your love. They're probably not going to do that. But you know what? There's a desire inside of them that is not being met. And they're not going to probably run to you, but they're going to run to Joe down the street. They're going to run to Sue over here. They're going to run to drugs and alcohol. They're going to run to everything else that's going to give them or they think is going to give them to fill that void that they're lacking in their life. What is that void? Time. There is no substitute to spending quality time with your children. And we're not just talking about time. If you're there, be all there. Be all there. How many times are our kids competing now through the TV? Preaching to myself, through the cell phone, through the computer, through the busyness of life. Be all there. Eliminate the distractions. For example, when you're at the ball game, make sure you're not just spending some extra time to catch up on emails. Well, at least I'm there. Too many parents are there in body, but they're emotionally disconnected. Because guess what? When your kid makes that shot or they hit that base hit or they throw someone out at home, guess the first person they're looking for when they do that. They're finding you in the stands and they're looking to see. And how sad would it be if when they look? Last time I checked, schools don't have instant replay. We're sport by that. Oh, you missed it? Oh, let's just reply. The TV, oh, it's on the screen. Everyone, oh, that's a foul. We don't have that. Why? Because if it's gone, it's gone. You can miss a moment of their life being present but not engaged. Come on. Present but not engaged. It's important to set them as a priority of your time. Because if not, they're always going to be left with the leftovers. I know Kelly and I in our life, our life was and has been really turned upside down over the last three years having a little man, Judah. It's just everything. When you just think everything's kind of fallen in place and you have this little kid and he's running around demanding so much of your time, we realize that his time, something has to be reduced, replaced or removed. And our other children have suffered in the process of that because he demands so much time at that age of life. And we realize that and we're looking and saying, okay, there's needs in our children. What can we do? And we're learning through this too. I want you to know I was challenged when I prepared this because I'm not standing saying, hey, I do all this. I'm telling you, this is what I need to do. And I'll be stand accountable from every one of you. My kids are in the church today. I'm going to be held accountable to this when I get home. Do I hear an amen? 
Huh? You're not going to have your kids saying, well, you preached that to everyone. You told that. I get that. Because, but that's okay. Why? Because I'm the same person behind the pulpit as I am outside of the pulpit. I'm not standing behind here ever saying I'm perfect. But what I'm telling you is this. I'm striving to perfection every day. I want to be, I pray every day, God, help me to be the best husband. Help me to be the best parent. Help me to be the best pastor. You can say amen to that one. Help me to be the best friend. I pray that every day over my life that God would help me be better in every area of my life. You see, if your life is ruled by a schedule and your children are not on it, you better do something quickly. Otherwise, there'll come a day when you're not on their schedule. Here's the second point. Openness. They deserve your openness. As parents, we need to realize we don't have all the answers. Maybe you think you do. Can I break it to you today? You don't. It's amazing, really, how much we could learn if we would listen to our children. We could learn so much from our children about themselves, even about ourselves, even about who God is, if we would just take time to listen. There's a book out there. It's pretty good. I I really would recommend every parent get it. It's called Sticky Faith, just like Sticky Faith. It's talking about how to let faith stick. And it's not just for parenting. It's just in every area. But research shows this as a parent. If your kids just grow up hearing a list of what they should and shouldn't do, when they fail, because they will, to live up to that checklist, they're going to end up running from church and God just when they need him the most. And here's what it says that they need to hear. Not only do our children need to hear it, but we need to hear it as adults. We need to understand this, that once we fail, it's the same grace that allows us to go back and receive forgiveness and restoration from God. Come on, grace is not only that which enables us to obey. Grace is also that which enables us to live and keep on going, even in the midst of our own failure. Parents, adults, perhaps one of the greatest things you can give your kids is the fact that you're not perfect. To let them know that you're not perfect. I don't get it all right and I'm not all right. Be willing to say, sorry. Because we're not perfect today. Because we've never been perfect. So maybe a little bit more transparency is needed in the home. How much you determine, I would start off slow. I wouldn't go to the shock and awe treatment and just give them the whole stories. I would kind of just break it to them gently. Because remember, the whole idea of you opening up and talking to them is not to glory in the sin that you did. But to steer them in the right path and to teach them through the lessons of your life how they can avoid the same pitfalls. The research goes on to suggest that we should be more open. We should be some more honest about our own mistakes, whether in the past or even more recently. Even if it's just apologizing for losing it in the moment. Because they say just being open with your kids can go a long way in creating a monologue. No, in creating a dialogue. You know what's the difference between a monologue and a dialogue? One talks with one and the other has two interacting. A dialogue is a conversation. A monologue is almost an order. I wonder how many monologues we've had in our house where we're the only ones that are doing the talking. And no wonder they're not wanting to talk 
We don't even give them time to talk and reason to talk. But even if they did, nothing they could say maybe is right in that moment. If we would just be honest and more transparent about our lives and what we've messed up in and what we're still struggling with, I wonder how much more open our children would be to say, can we talk about that? Help me. Help me. Help me. And I believe it's never too early to start some of the principles to make your home a safe place to be able to talk about your mistakes. Just this week, I stood corrected. My wife, Kelly, called me down. She said, you know what? You need to listen more. You're too quick to speak. I could have been offended by that, but I wasn't. You know why? Because I give Kelly the right to speak into my life, just like I have over her. If there's ever anything that needs to be corrected, I want her to expose that in me because I don't always see it. But I will say this. If you're going to call each other down like I think you should do, make sure you never do it in front of your children. You don't undermine each other's authority, even if you think they're completely off base with what they're doing. You don't undermine their authority in the viewpoint of your children. But later, we were driving to Lowe's, and when we got out of the car, she said to me, you know what, you are way off with what you just did. I received that, and I'm changing that. I'm doing everything I can to make changes in my life. And even when it comes to your faith relationship with God, you need to be open with your kids about the struggle. Come on, parents, be real. Have you had struggles in your relationship with God lately? But your kids see you with your hands in the air saying, glory, praise God, hallelujah. Come on, your kids need to know that you battle with lust, that you battle with problems, you battle with fear and doubt. You have all those struggles too. And don't look at me like you don't, because I know you do. And if you don't want to fess up to that, you've got a greater sin and struggle in your life. And that's called self-righteousness. Because we all struggle. Don't care if you're the pastor. I don't care who you are. There's all struggles in our lives. And we need to open up to our children. Many parents, they say, are afraid to open up their faith because of the lack of what they think they know. I don't really know and I don't know how to explain it and I don't really know what to say. Here's what they've concluded. Are you ready? It's the, not the level of what you know that's important. Oh, I think we need to grow and we should grow. But what's important is with what, that you share with them, maybe even a little, but you share with them what you do have. That's the most important thing. And then you can say, let's grow together. Let's read. Let's take a study. Let's grow. Let's come to the house. Let's be together. We're going to grow and learn together. Because why? The very fact that they see faith in you trumps any worry about them seeing the faith that you do not have. We've adapted something in our house called pillow time. Heard this from some preachers. And I just want you to know right now, we're going to go over a little bit today. I just want you to be prepared for that. If you have to leave, we love you. Just excuse yourself and go. But we're just going to go over a little bit because I think this is so important. You need to get this. I just don't want to rush through it just to get over it. We have in our house what's called pillow time. Pillow time is where we create a space for openness in our home. Our kids know that after bedtime, we have curfews, but after bedtime... If there's something that's really pressing and there's a question that is weighing on their hearts, that they at that time they're allowed to leave their bed and come on what we call pillow talk, where we can talk through those things together. So really for a kid, it's a get out of bed 
free card. Now, don't let them use it as an excuse not to sleep. But it's amazing. If you want to talk to your kid through the day, they don't want to talk to you. But when they're laying in their bed and they know they can get out of bed, because anyone have a struggle getting your kids first into bed? I'm hungry. I haven't done my homework. I need my uniform clean. I've got this. I've got that. Okay? But when they know that that's time that they normally don't have, but you can have that time with them, they can open up and express themselves and come and ask anything that they want. You need to develop that in your home. Because again, if they don't get the answers answered by you, they're going to find the answers in the wrong place. Number three, they deserve structure. They deserve structure. I like that better than rules. It is rules, but it's a structure for their life. Structure is vital for a child's well-being and development. To establish rules and to maintain boundaries. Proverbs 22.6, New Living Translation says, Direct your children on the right path and they will, or when they are older, they will never leave it. New King James says, train them up in the way they should go. Lay the tracks. Why? Because when they're old, they're not going to stray away. They're not going to wander away from that. I'm telling you right now, structure produces a framework to feel secure. And kids need that. Oh, I don't like rules in my house because I want my kids just to feel that they're loved. And Listen, I'm telling you, you are doing a greater injustice for your kids through that than what you are establishing boundaries and guidelines. Like establishing a bedtime, then moving it back when they get older. You know what that does? That helps them understand that age brings a greater freedom, but not all at once. Because freedom that brings responsibility that they're not ready to handle it all in one time. They think they are, but they're not. So you give it to them, freedoms with responsibility. It's like the story of the little boy with his dad. He's going over this huge, massive bridge. He's never been over it before. He's in awe of everything that's happened. And the view is absolutely magnificent. And he says, Dad, you know what? And the dad's ready for this great, wow, this is so beautiful. And here's what the little boy says to his dad. Dad, you know what? If we fell off this bridge, we would be killed instantly. (laughs) Dad, suppose there were no guardrails on the side of the bridge. Where would you steer the car? And the father replied to his son, Son, I would steer the car right down the middle. You see, even though we don't plan to hit those protective railings, it's amazing how much more security we feel knowing they're there. You see, your children need to know the structure, the rules. And that you'll enforce them consistently and constantly. Why? Because when rules are clear, children will live in safety. Now, kids don't want you to know that they want you to be the boss. They're not going to tell you, I love the rules, thank you very much. They don't want you to know that they need you to be the boss. But listen to me. They breathe a whole lot more easily when they know that you are. Oh, they'll fight and oppose that at times, but that's what they need. And the same with discipline, correction. The Bible says if you love your child, you'll discipline them promptly. And the Bible says if you lay off your child, if you spare the rod, you will spoil your child. You will harm your child. 
And here's a bonus, and this is especially really for single parents and maybe even a single mum in the house. Listen to me today as I share this with love. Remember this, your child is a child. They are not a spat. They are not an adult. What do I mean by that? You've got a lot of parents that don't have an adult, a spouse to talk with. So now they involve their child in conversations and things that child cannot handle right now. Don't expect them to meet your emotional needs. Why? Because their shoulders are not broad enough to carry that responsibility. Let them be a child. Come on, let them be a child. You come here and find someone on our pastoral care team. We'll talk to you and help you. Don't spill all your life to your child and give them the baggage of your life. Come on, you need some structure. Here's some examples of rules in our house. We've got set bedtimes for our children. Luke and Molly go to bed at different times because of their age. Like we said, we've got set curfews for our kids. If you're gone during the week, you're going to be back by this time. If you're gone during the weekend, you're back. Don't care who, where, what, how. That's the curfews of the rules. We've got another rule in our house. You don't stay at people's house that we don't know their parents. Sorry. Another rule in our house is church ain't no option. And if you would notice, my kids are not in church, both services. Why? Because there's something else that we ask of our kids. If you're going to be here, then you worship and serve our children every service. If they're not in here, they're in a nursery, they're in a kids club, they're doing something because we model what we're asking this church to do. And we don't enforce that in the fact of, and try to make church a chore. We do it by desire. We desire to be here, so we want our children to be happy. Here's another rule in our house. Are you ready? I own your phone. (laughs) You don't pay the bill. (laughs) We own the phone. You know what? Our kids don't have their phones in their rooms at night. They don't charge their phones in their rooms at night. They have a time their phone has to be out of the room and plugged into its charger. And it's amazing how often they forget that. And here's a great way to remind them. If they're going to forget to charge the phone and get it out of the room, you can solve that by not having it in the room in the first place. I'll just take it for a couple of days. If that's becoming a struggle for you, then I can just take that struggle straight from you. Do you know what I'm saying, parents? Just help them out. Hook a brother up. Come on, help your kids out. Don't want you to struggle with that. Come on, can solve the problem. Meal times. you're not going to be on your phone. We want to see your face, not the top of your head. No boys and girls rooms when people come over. Here's another rule in our house. That lock on your door is just for show. You don't lock your doors. I told my kids this before. If I come in and try and get in your room and the door's locked, you'll have no door on your room for the rest of the month. You may say, well, that's crazy. It's It's not crazy. Because what are we doing? We're establishing boundaries and guidelines that we think is perfectly fair and acceptable. And we're not asking their opinion on the matter. Because we're doing what God has called us to do. I've got to go on. Is everyone with me with this? Is okay? Only got 12 more. Is that good? No, only plan. plan. They deserve your forgiveness. They deserve your forgiveness. Remember, Remember, just like us, kids are a work in progress and they will never be perfect. Don't expect more from your kids than they can deliver. However, don't accept less than they can achieve. 
And be willing to ask them for your forgiveness. You see, forgiveness can be such a powerful learning, preparing experience for your children. Because here's what forgiveness can teach your children. Three areas that forgiveness can help you. Number one, we all must deal with the consequences of our actions. We've got to deal with the consequences of our actions so we can help our children understanding this through forgiveness. Because when we do deal with the consequences, when we do learn, guess what we do? We grow. We grow. Here's a second area. Failing does not mean failure. Well, you failed in that area. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you've failed. We try not to use the S word in our house. We don't call our kids stupid. Or you've maybe messed up and you, that, that's maybe not a good thing. You'd, but we try because stupid tends to be a label that they wear in every aspect of their life, not just for the fact of what they have done. Watch the words that you say. Failing does not make them a failure. It's just part of learning and maturity and it comes with the turf and you only fail when you stay down. The last part of this, forgiveness can teach them what? That we should be quick to extend to others the same grace that has often been extended to us. It's a great learning experience that we give them forgiveness in our lives. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts in the home. Kids, remember this. If you've betrayed your parents' trust, it's not something that can be earned back automatically and bam, you've got to still earn that. But parents, there's the other flip side of that. They have to have something to work with in order to reestablish trust. So look how that works in your home. Number five, they deserve your blessing. Bless them. Encourage your children. Let them hear your praise. Oh, there can be 10 things bad. And here's an area that I'm really working on. There's 10 things that you can pick out that's bad. Maybe one that's good. But what do we do? We harp on the 10 and we avoid the one that's good. Why don't we talk and speak to the good and then realize that the good will take care of the bad? Come on, God will take care of those other things. Genesis 48, 9, the principles you live by. Notice you, 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 your priorities, godly parent first. The principles you live by and the blessings you enjoy as a parent, what they are meant to be passed down to your children and your grandchildren. Here it is again, multi-generations. You're the blessings that God's given you. Bless your children. You know what I say to my kids whenever we go away on a trip? I say to kids, you know why we're on this trip? Because your dad is in the ministry and God has blessed us through the work that we've done. And that's why we can be at Disney World. That's why we can come on a cruise. That's why we can do these things. Not because we're super well paid and everything. We have to save and do things just like everyone else. But I want my kids to know that this is a blessing we have because we're blessed through what we do. Share those blessings. Email your kids. Text your kids. Write your kids a card. Let them know you're proud of them. Bless them at every possible opportunity. And also teach them blessing. What am I talking about? Teach them how to tithe. Teach them how to serve. Teach them how to be faithfulness, faithful to the house. How? By your example. And here's the last one. They deserve your prayers. Pray for them. Pray with them. Teach them the importance of prayer. Model that. I know I need to end this today, but I know there are examples here just like there are in our home, Kelly and I's home personally right now, where parents, you would say, I have done my best, but yet still my children are choosing to turn away from God. That's where Kelly and I are in our home right now. We've got a prodigal child. We've got a child who's working on her testimony right now. But I'm telling you, she's going to come back. She's going to come back. 
But what do we do when our children choose to turn to the wrong way? You know what we want to do? We want to always rescue and save them, but sometimes we cannot do that. And you know, if if there's maybe something in the parable of the lost son, I think that we maybe need to see that we've never seen before is this. I believe it teaches us something so powerful. Are you ready? And that is this, that sometimes a good parent can raise a child who is capable of only learning the hard way. It's amazing when you go through the struggle yourself, it makes you look at the way of your life, because Kelly and I have had to say, we took the blame upon us first. Well, I guess we raised them wrong. We did wrong. We could have done this. It was just the guilt that came on us. But then we had to realize, hold on a second, God, we gave the best that we could. We brought them up in church. No, we brought them up in God, in church. And we raised them and we led them in the way of God. And Kelly said something to me the other day that blew me out. And I thought, wow, that's so true. There's a lot of people can point and say, man, whatever's going on in their home with their kids, there's an element of that. But it's not always the case. But you know what Kelly said the other day? And I thought, wow, that's incredible. Who's the greatest father that's ever lived? Jesus. God. He's the greatest father there has ever been. But yet, how many of us have ever messed up? So now he's a bad parent? Come on now. So now he's a bad parent? No, just because we're rebelling against his truth. Because we're making a conscious decision. So what can we do? We pray for our kids. We pray for them. And it's not a last option. It's a first option. And it's a continued option. And we pray for them and we wait for their return. Many successful adults were once a prodigal saved by the prayers of a parent. (laughs) Who refused to give up on them, but interceded for them. And when you don't know how to pray, God does. Give them to him. We've given our daughter to God. So we're saying, God, she's your child now too. And you take care of your own. Give it to them. Give it to God and then stand on his word. We've got a parent's prayer in the lobby. I believe there's some on the desk out there that we've given to parents before. We believe you should pray this over your kids every day, that there would be a light and darkness, that there would be leaders, not followers, that they would always do right even if no one's watching, that they would stay strong in the face of temptation and that God would protect their lives. That's what we believe. And we, we, we've got that available if you need that. You know what else I pray for my kids every day? I pray for their spouses. None of them are married. Just want you to know that. I pray for their spouses to be every day that God would prepare their hearts, the right person would come into their lives. I pray that they would be the right person for the right person. I know lots of information today, but here's really what we're saying. You've got to prioritize your life and your home because if you don't get it in the proper order, something's going to be reduced, replaced, and removed. And usually it's the things that are the most important that end up suffering like God and your spouse and your family. Be the example they need to follow. Be practical and give them what they need and pray for your children. Would you stand to your feet all over this place today? Precious We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.